Blog Talk Radio. Love. 
Very nice. You know, everybody likes that card, the two of cups, where the two people are facing each other and there's one cup between them. It's very happy. But the astrological meaning of that card is um, Venus and Cancer. And we have Venus and Cancer now in this really beautiful trine with Saturn and Neptune, making it almost easy to be serious about our feelings and our emotional connection with others making it um, more of a genuine experience coming directly from the place where love resides in the heart and being able to express that through a deep form of care, care, concern for another person, another person. That That's the you know, Cancerian energy, that energy that has a uh, an effect on us and causes us to want to care about another person, to nurture them, to protect them, to uh, hold them close, to hug them. This is Cancerian. And in this trine now, it's another step. It's yet the next step on the way to a more complete expression of emotional intimacy, the Saturn and Scorpio, Neptune and Pisces. What needs to be left behind can be left behind more easily. What needs to be um, dealt with in the present rather than uh, making an attempt to postpone it or ignore it can be dealt with now more easily because <clears throat> this, this trine this watery trine is capable of bringing a great deal of love and genuine affection to all of us. Sun is still in Gemini. Jupiter is in Gemini. Mars is in Gemini. And within the next hour or so, possibly even while we're on the show, uh, the moon is going to go into Gemini. So we do have a new moon coming uh, within the next two days. And um, it's a new moon in Gemini. Very nice. Check out what house. That's going to occur in for you. For me, it's going to occur in the 8th. So, um, you know, I can expect a deepening level of intimacy and communication because it's Gemini. So it's about the sun and the moon unifying your conscious and unconscious in the realm of communication, um, talking, teaching, learning. If there's something also that you want to learn, if there's, for me, even if there's some mysticism or mystic piece that I'd like to learn, 8th house rules mysticism. So uh, Gemini in the 8th house is about mystical learning. Uh, for all of you independently, it's about some form of learning, and the specific area would have to do with what house are we going to have um, that uh, new moon in. Mercury's moved quite a bit forward. It's actually at 9 degrees Cancer already. It's actually entering into uh, the T-square with uh, Uranus and Pluto. We kind of talked a little bit about how when the signs moved into Cancer, that many of them were going to be activating the Uranian-Pluto-Uranus Pluto square. So, we, you know, one of the things I think that's definitely coming out in our own government has to do with, obviously, the NSA um, scandal uh, and, 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 you know, the tapping of our phones and all. <clears throat> and it's interesting how um, 
the government is taking that Pluto and Capricorn role and the people or the media or whoever is representing the people, so to speak, are taking that sort of outraged Aryan role. And as Mercury moves into the square, we're going to see the idea of, you know, uh, well, it's all about caring for all of you, you know, and, and we've seen that a little bit today. So how it all flushes out is going to be very interesting to see because um, the, there's a there's a uh, certainly a struggle right now between Pluto and Aries, and it's surfacing in many different ways planetarily. This is one of the new ways that we're seeing Mercury being involved now in a T-square with those other two planets is going to make, I think, a lot of um, rapid and potentially um, they're going to shut some things down with communication. You know, you're going to see some communicative uh, things get shut down. So um, we want to keep an eye on that. Uh, Mars and Jupiter in Gemini kind of hanging out there. We do have a Mars-Neptune square. Mars-Neptune square can be deceptive action or discovering that we've been lied to. So anybody that's happening to have that right now is a Mars-Neptune square. There's a lot in the Global Energy Minute. A um, lot, lot of aspects that, you know, when I when I originally sit down and look at this, I don't necessarily see so many. This is a very interesting global chart right now because there's a lot of dynamic tension. Saturn we talked about in Scorpio, it's in good, and Uranus and Pluto are actually in a really tight square, but it's now separating as Pluto is retrograde and Uranus is direct. And Uranus is actually going to go another whole degree or so before it goes retrograde. And that's your Global Energy Minute. I'm Dr. Craig Martin. You're listening to me on the Inside Connection Radio. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about um, the, uh, the chart and why we would want to have a reading. Um, I think I think there are a couple of reasons why people come for readings, why they want to have readings. Some people want to, or let's say most people, want to have some um, situation in their life clarified. They would like to be able to have a specific thing. They've either met someone or they're having difficulty with someone or there's something going on in their job or their health or their family or their children or something where they're making an, an attempt, a sincere attempt, to find information that, that they can gather to help them make a better educated choice about the situation that they may be in. That seems very clear, right? People come for astrology readings because they would like to um, um, gain some clarity over situations that might be confusing for them. And there are so many... Uh, you know, I don't have to spell out all the different kinds of situations we can get in that are confusing. And uh, all of them, by the way, are in the chart. So no matter what the situation is, if it involves work, work colleagues, husbands, wives, family, children, communication, brothers, sisters, friendships, everything is actually in the chart and can be seen there um, when uh, when when we get a reading. So I think that that that's probably the number one reason is people come for clarity, people come for an understanding of something that they're going through. 
secondarily to that, there is obviously a life process that we're all, uh, you know, personally involved in. We all have a personal life process that we are engaged in, uh, whether it's that we're single and we've been single for a while or we're married but are, you know, we'd like to know how to make our marriage better. We'd like to achieve something. We'd like to find meaning. We'd like to find depth. We'd like to find purpose. These kinds of readings are potentially excellent and 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 they you know it's it's fairly straightforward how astrology can spell out for you what it is that you're going through or what steps you might be able to take in order to be able to achieve a specific goal. It's not always necessarily accomplished in uh, one reading situation, but the difference between astrology and, uh, say, traditional counseling is that the chart itself is offering a lot of information that doesn't necessarily have to be dug out of the person who's being read. So when we have traditional counseling situation, we might have, uh, you know, not necessarily the kinds of tools to access what's really going on. For an example, if I were to be, say, seeing somebody who was having relationship difficulty, I might be able to look at their chart and say, oh, well, the the in, what's going on here is a Uranian kind of energy. Uranus is making an aspect in your chart to your relationship. And so it means maybe that your relationship is feeling stale or it's feeling like it doesn't have vitality or energy. And you can make recommendations from there. The idea is that sometimes these situations are not just sort of um, a quick fix, you know. We don't necessarily have magic bullets that solve or resolve the kinds of tensions and crises that we feel like we're going through as we're trying to figure out what are the right decisions that we can make for our life's meaning and, and happiness. And so uh, occasionally on the broader, um, you know, uh, broader uh, taking on someone's spiritual journey, uh, more than one reading might be necessary. And so someone might come for more than one reading, which is also fine. And I think, um, you know, many people, I myself, like going to get readings and, and will like going um, more often than not so that I can... Uh, can stay sort of on top of someone's view of the energy of my chart. I kind of like that because I like having an astrologer as part of my process. So there's one person who might just want resolution and clarity on a specific issue. There's another person who might want, um, you know, to have someone, a spiritual counselor or a spiritual advisor, to move them through uh, the... Um, the pattern of their lives and to be able to break patterns, to be able to see them, which also is available information in the chart. And of course, there are some people who want, you know, almost like exclusively a kind of a predictive practice. Uh, they want somebody to just be able to tell them what they see or what's coming up for them. A lot of times for me, I stay away from that kind of work, not because, you know, you can't do prediction, but because so much of what I believe about the energy of astrology is that the the transits that are coming up are a part of what it is that we're creating. It's not as if they're happening to us and and so we're just sort of being subject 
to some future happening that's out of our control. And I think that there are a lot of people who do feel that way. They do feel like, you know, they could be told what's going to happen and that's happening in a vacuum and that that the individual who's being read is not actually involved in that happening to them. The truth, though, is is not that at all. The truth, the truth of situations in our lives is that they're they're deeply coming from our own unconscious uh, places in in our own soul and our own belief patterns that are not at the surface of our mind. So we don't really know in a conscious way. We say the surface of our mind. Because so much of what we are and even what we think and certainly what we manifest is not happening at the conscious level. We're not even aware that we're manifesting or bringing those things out. So the the chart actually brings me back to that other kind of reading because that's the spiritual process is we want to explore what are those things that are in the unconscious? What are those things that have the potential to be brought out of us in relationship situations? How, how, how are the unconscious patterns that we have been maybe dragging around for lifetimes manifesting themselves in this physical plane and in what way are they? So that the people who may come with the intention of saying, oh, I want to have a reading so that I can, you know, find out my future, that it has to be a situation where, for me, where giving the reading is, is connected to the energy of what the uh, person themselves that's being read wants to be able to manifest. So is there the potential for that? Is there the energy for that? Is that energy coming up? Do we see that? And how can someone work towards manifesting that? You know, uh, J.P. Morgan said that millionaires don't have astrologers. Billionaires do. And I always thought that that was really clever, something really clever of him to say. And the idea there is not that... uh, J.P. Morgan's astrologer, you know, was sitting there by his side telling him when to buy and sell because he was the, the, you know, the intuitive businessman who knew, you know, when a good deal might be there and when it wouldn't be. But the role of the astrologer was to be able to say, you're about to go into a lesson of Um, expanded limits, expanded growth, now might be a time when you would think about making those kinds of moves. It didn't say that if you didn't take action, right? No astrologer would say to somebody, if you don't take action, you know, you're going to meet your lover anyway. You're going to meet your husband if you just stay in your apartment and don't take action. And I think that we, we leave out of Um, The idea of um, astrological consultation and having astrology readings, the fact that it's a pure energy pattern that that we're looking at as astrologers and that those energy patterns can represent specific events, we might be able to say, oh, you're going to meet someone, that person might be older and and they could be very, you know, grounded or they could have a good job. We might even be able to say that they're going to be different from you or different from somebody that you've dated before. 
giving you certain kinds of clues and things to look out for. But again, people that we meet become representations of the energy that we're about to go through. So if we're looking towards uh, building our business and we have good transits for that, then we reach out into the world. People are going to come back to us who are going to be helpful in building our business. You'll actually meet them going out to some social or going to a party. You know, How many times could you walk around thinking, oh, I need to find an accountant, I need to find a new dentist, I need to find this, I need to find that. And lo and behold, you meet them. You just meet them somewhere, somewhere random on the street because this is a part of the unconscious and the manifestation of the unconscious. So for me, why do we get a reading? Or why do I like looking at my own chart or having others look at it? It has to do with bringing out from the unconscious what it is that I'm going to be having energetically happen to me, what it is that I'm going to be uh, looking at learning, looking at learning. And I don't say, like, learning for sure, because I think even the learning process is in a continuum. I wouldn't say that one particular transit is putting me in a situation, uh, you know, in, in, in my life where I'm, um, where I'm done, you know, say, like, okay, well, I've got this much learning to do, and uh, this, I have this lesson to learn about relationships, or this lesson to learn about my career, or this lesson to learn about parenting, and then I have this one transit, and it is involving my career, and then that's it, I'm done, I don't have anything else to learn about being a public servant, or, uh, you know, what it is that I offer as service to society at large. It's kind of interesting, you know, that we can see the chart as a a, a cyclic uh, wheel of our own evolution. That it it turns and we ride, you know, and and that as the planets continue to go around in their orbit, they reveal to us a pattern of energy that we're experiencing at any given time. So I always like to say that um, the planets don't dictate what it is that we're going through. They merely mirror what it is that we're going through. And the struggles that we have, the challenges that we encounter in our lives are merely based on what's already been put into motion by our own birth. We could call that our genetics, our circumstance, the choices that we've made, the lessons that our soul has to learn, and that the chart is actually a mirror of that. It's a reflection of that. The chart shows us what's already a part of your nature and the who you are is revealed by the chart the chart doesn't say oh well you're this because the stars aligned your personality is the way that it is because blah 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 was in Scorpio no Blah, blah, blah was in Scorpio because your personality is the way that it is. And that's sort of the miracle of the external world. The sort of miracle, the profound, cosmic, unfathomable um, reality of our physical plane is that 
it manifests after the conception, manifests after the conception of the idea, of any idea. So the physical world and even the alignment of the planets does not precede who you will be as an individual. It's that the individual that you will be, the planets align in that way to show us. That's why we don't really have any specific birth time, birth moment, due date, all those concepts that we actually have a due day or something. No. In the in the millions of charts that could occur between week 36 and week 42, right, normal pregnancies, between week 36 and week 42, anything in there is considered a normal pregnancy. In the millions and millions of charts that could happen between in those six weeks, some moment in time accurately reflects exactly who you are as a human being. It's kind of a really amazing um, thing to ponder is that the chart is there because it's the guidebook of who you are. And we've been given that by astrology and by our own uh, insightful and intuitive way of observing the stars and the energy that they create in, in relationship to the people who are born. So, you know, people, I think, uh, want to be um, assisted in, in life decisions. You know, we seek out lots of different kinds of, of assistance and when we think of astrology, we certainly shouldn't be thinking first fortune-telling because that's not really what it is. It's not about looking at it and saying, oh, you have this going on in your chart, therefore you're never going to be married or you're never going to have children or this is the sign of bad marriage or this is the sign of this or the sign of that. If there are some people out there that do their readings like that, God bless you. I personally like to see the chart as a series of assets and challenges, things we might need to overcome, things that we might need to reinforce because there are the positive parts of us in an effort to accomplish and achieve whatever it is that you'd like to. There's certainly the accepting of limits. There's the accepting of limits. We have to be realistic as well. But of the 12 basic houses in the chart that describe the 12 basic experiences that all of us have as human beings, all of us can achieve that. All of us can achieve a sense of who we are, a sense of values and what we really hold dear to us, opinions about life, a sense of, of, of an emotional caretaker, of an emotional caretaking, the things that we want to protect and nurture and love, the things that we feel we can bring under our wing and care for, very important function in human, in human life. The things we are creative about, the, our health and the way in which we organize our own personal routine, who we marry and the relationships we choose, how we um, experience people on an emotional level, the way in which we live out contracts with people. Are we fair? Are we honest? Our spiritual beliefs, our careers, the way we help people in the world, the friendships we keep, and then, of course, that vast well of the unconscious, which continues to reveal itself to us based on the experiences that we have in an ongoing basis in our lives. So, the chart, it says, well, 
this is where you might have to work on something, the chart certainly can say, you know, this is where we might have difficulty or where we might want to, um, you know, put a little extra time in so that we can overcome specific difficulties or differences. But it, but it does not say that anything is impossible for us to particularly achieve. It, it merely says we're all here to achieve similar experiences, similar life uh, circumstances, similar life experiences, and that along the way in those experiences, we may have to grow more in one area than another. But again, all of that's also been agreed to prior to our own birth even, and certainly by the time we've chosen our birth moment. Because the chart's revealing what are those things. What is that soul journey? And I think that's another really important reason why, um, you know, we want to get a reading. Because revealing that soul journey is a huge part of discovering what you're here for, what your purpose is, why you're, you know, working on this particular incarnation. You came back as this person this particular person with this name that you were given or that you gave yourself, you, um, this, uh, this identity that you have, and, um, and what are you going to do with it? What are you, what are you, how are you going to take this personality and this body that you were given? What is it that, that as an individual you're here to accomplish? The chart deeply talks about that in so many different ways. And um, and and brings about, I think, an understanding of um, where we are uh, in our own personal path and our own personal evolution. We can see what it is that we need to look at in order to be able to grow and to find a greater meaning and a greater purpose to our life. I think happiness. Happiness, real, real deep kind of abiding sense of contentment is found there. It's not found in those external things. As people become more spiritual, they don't want to go revel out in some meal that they're going to eat or go travel somewhere or whatever. Contentment begins to be found within the self. And this is a message that comes from the elderly, from all old people who no longer say can stuff themselves on a big meal or jump on an airplane and go travel or throw back a few whiskeys to find happiness in an external experience. They'll tell you that the happiness comes from what it is, what it is that they know that they've done, the memories and the joy they were able to spread in their life, and the memories of that as they're able to, as they are able to grow old and age. That if you can't do it from the external experience, you inevitably have to find the happiness in the internal world. That comes from knowing who you are, and astrology is an awesome way of finding that out. Um, just trying to sit here for just a second and think about am I um, talked about a couple of things and ah yeah so along with like I guess the really deep you know work that 
someone might want to do, soul-based, spiritual-based work, using astrology to help assist them in, in navigating the path of their you know, life purpose. And on the opposite side, maybe perhaps something a little bit more shallow, which might be something like somebody wanting to know when's a good day to ask for a raise or when's a good day to write a love letter or contact an old lover or when's a good day to have a conversation with one of my children or even when's a good day for me to go and have, you know, a dental surgery. I mean, I get asked all kinds of questions like that. And um, they're they're very specific, and it's considered extremely mundane astrology. But astrology does also talk about that by showing us very, um, they would be what we would call more minute energy patterns rather than those larger waves, those larger waves that guide or steer the course of our life. There are um, smaller waves that guide and steer the course of our day. And... um, it's like maybe comparing the seasons to the tides. You know, the seasons, right, they're slow and they change over time only a few times a year. And the tides change a few times a day. I think you get two high tides and two low tides a day, right? And um, that's something that's more like the fluctuation that's happening on a more um, daily basis. That energy can also be seen in astrology, and it answers those more minute questions about, oh, I want to have a discussion with my husband, oh, I want to know, you know, when I can go uh, see a doctor, when when might be a good day for that, when might be a bad day, uh, what to look out for, what might be a good day to take vacation, what might not be. And many, many, many people ask questions about um, auspicious days like when to schedule a wedding. And um, in that case, you look at the um, the birth chart of the groom and the bride, and you look at the day that they're getting married or the days that they want to get married from a selection of days. Normally, people come in with a few choices when they're wanting me to tell them which one looks the best. Uh, or they give me a range of months. <clears throat> and um, what you do is you you pick the uh the day that most accurately uh works with their both of their charts and also the day itself like you know when we do the global energy minute you don't want to pick a day that globally is filled with conflict because that will be the birth chart of their actual marriage so you want to have a day where the energy is influencing both the bride and the groom in a positive way but that the day itself is energetically good or auspicious. Um, uh, Chinese astrology, they use that word auspicious, meaning positive, that it's an auspicious day for love and for union, for prosperity, for children, for fertility. You don't want to have any conflicts in any of those areas and get married on that day because what happens is then the chart is built around an inherent flaw now getting a little more deep about that if the marriage has an inherent flaw you're going to pick an inherently flawed day to get married and the only way to remedy that let's say is to go and get the couples counseling that you might need in order to be able to create a better day and so um, I do find it interesting in my own practice that when I'm doing that kind of work 
Um, normally, I will ask to see both people so we can do wedding planning together. So if anything comes up on a specific day, that it will come up right there, right out of the couple, and maybe we can help do healing on that. You know, that's the whole part of being in a relationship with somebody is that you you can um, transcend some of your diff diff diff. Uh, you can transcend some of your your differences, your difficulties, and find that common ground. So that's the the you know I think probably one of the one of the more minor things that astrologers do, but definitely something that I do in my practice. Also, it's something enjoyable and fun. I guess normally I would find that it would happen. Um, maybe with with clients that I already know. But I definitely have people come in and work with me just for that, for wedding planning. Um, Very rarely for, like, childbirth planning, but I have done that. I've had people ask me about if we get pregnant in February, March, or April, if we try, what would you recommend? And you can look nine months out and you can say sort of basic things like, because um, you don't know a specific day, but you could say a basic thing like, oh, you know, well, you know, nine months from March, uh, Mars will be retrograde, which isn't necessarily easy, but, you know, nine months from May, Mars will be direct, so maybe you might want to go with May. Uh, you know, you don't want to interfere too much with that natural process, but it gives people an idea. Maybe a sign is going to change. Maybe they would say rather, uh, you know, for their child to have you know, Saturn and Sagittarius rather than Saturn and Scorpio or whatever, you kind of lay out what the differences might be. That's what I do. I usually don't say anything is good or bad because nothing is really good or bad. You just describe uh, potential positives and potential negatives of certain things, and then obviously you let the parents decide. It's the same thing with the... Um, with the wedding planning. You're just suggesting on certain days what looks good, what doesn't look good, and then obviously the um, the couple are the ones that ultimately hear that information and use that to, de- to decide what might be the most auspicious day for them to wed. Love it. Um, Dr. Craig Martin, and you're listening to the Inside Connection here every Thursday night on Blog Talk Radio at 8 p.m. Pacific. I'm going to leave you now with fly like an eagle. I hope you guys have a great week. Mm-hmm.